The following program is sponsored by the National Prayer Chapel. Welcome to Pilgrim's Progress. I decided to follow Jesus when I was just a little boy. 
But I then began to be taught things that almost completely turned me against the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to deal with three of those lies that I was taught. Perhaps you also were taught such lies. Now, I was taught these lies by nationally known preachers, teachers. Supposedly, they knew the way of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm not going to name them because I don't want to accuse them. Perhaps I misunderstood. But I know I didn't. I listened very carefully as a little boy. And as I grew older, went to the Christian college, graduated from the Christian seminary, continued to carefully listen, I knew something was wrong. It took me a while to identify these three areas of theology. Theology is desperately important. It was John Wesley who said, if you have the wrong theology, you'll have the wrong behavior. I agree. We have to know what we believe and why we believe it, because what we believe will determine how we do walk out the gospel of Jesus Christ. In Luke, the second chapter, let me read this passage of scripture for you. Luke, the third chapter, beginning at verse 9. John the Baptist made this statement. It troubled me greatly as a child. The axe is already at the root of the trees. And every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. Well, what kind of fruit is good? And I was directed to Galatians and the fruit of the Spirit. And that is correct. There is a fruit of the Spirit that we must produce. But this was where the rubber hits the road kind of truth that John the Baptist was teaching. What should we do then? The crowd asked. John answered, Anyone who has two shirts should share with the one who has none, and anyone who has food should do the same. And the tax collector came to the the teacher and said, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. And some soldiers asked him, Well, what should we do? And he replied, Don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. Well, yes. The gospel of Jesus Christ is theological, but it's also very practical where the rubber hits the road. I want to keep it real with Jesus. I don't want to live in the clouds somewhere 
and am of no practical use to the world. To me, the gospel must be lived out day by day in the way I deal with people, the way I treat them, what I say to them, how I give to them. A man, a waiter at a restaurant that I didn't know, he was standing at our at our table and he was talking about how he had to take so many buses and how much time and money it was costing him to get to his several jobs, just barely scraping by, just barely making it. And he'd chosen a car that he wanted to buy, but he had no money. Oh, he had some money but not enough to finish the deal. I asked him about it when I discovered what his need was. The Lord had me meet that need in cash. He said, the Lord deals in reality. Let's keep it real. Either the gospel of Jesus is real or it's false. Well, people told me lies. Let me share several of these lies with you. I was sitting in a worship service in a large crowd. We were at a college level, and this man was telling us about how to walk with Jesus. My my ears were wide open. I wanted to know, how do I walk with Jesus? How do I live this out? And he made the astonishing statement. Remember, this is a, a nationally known preacher. He said, It's like flying an airplane. You are the pilot. And Jesus is the co-pilot. And he will direct you in the way you should go. But you must fly the airplane. Well, that was a lie. Jesus is not my co-pilot. Jesus is the pilot of my airplane. Romans, the sixth chapter. I must die. And Jesus must take over my life. I don't need a co-pilot. I need a pilot. I need a pilot who can fly me safely to the other side. Well, I immediately knew that he was not telling the truth. And I just flushed it. But I've not been so fortunate with some other lies that I've been taught. As a child, I was taught The closer you come to Jesus, 
the more sin you will see in your life. Well, that sounds like an impossible task, doesn't it? I can never walk in victory. I always will be uncovering more and more sin. That doesn't sound very appetizing to me. I want to be washed. I want to be made whole. I want to be cleansed. I don't want to keep turning over parts of my life and finding that I'm full of sin. I want to be redeemed. Redeemed how I love to proclaim it. Redeemed by the blood of the Lamb. But am I still guilty? Does Jesus redeem me and leave me to be ravished by the devil? Or am I washed and made clean? Do I finally reach a point with Jesus where I no longer am walking in any known sin? My heart is at peace with Jesus. I have a deep inner sense. I've read to you Charles Finney's comments on this issue, where he said, Suddenly, all condemnation was lifted from my soul. And I was washed and I was clean. I was not walking in disobedience. I was not walking under any condemnation. And then I remembered Romans 8. There is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. So if there's still condemnation in my soul, if I'm not walking in peace and freedom and joy, then I know that I'm not in Jesus Christ. I'm in the world. And I'm still guilty before God. I don't want to be guilty before God. I want to do whatever I need to do in relationship to Jesus. Finney, in his his book on his conversion, talked about how when he was converted, he was washed and made clean. The blood of Jesus was powerful. The blood of Jesus took away his sin. Well, I didn't hear that growing up, and I didn't hear that as I was a pastor in a in a legalistic church. I was taught you just do your best. And you leave the rest with Jesus. No, I want to leave it all with Jesus right now. I want to look to Jesus as he makes me whole, as he washes and cleanses my sin. I want to rejoice in Jesus and be able to walk in this world free of all sin, at peace with God. I don't want to walk saying, Well, I'll do my best, but then Jesus has to cover me because he knows he made me as a sinner, and I'm always going to be a sinner. That lie, you're always going to be a sinner, so troubled my heart. I don't want to be a sinner. If Jesus' blood cannot wash me clean and free me of this filth, then what's the use of it? 
if the blood of Jesus is no more powerful than the blood of bulls and goats that were offered in the Old Testament, where they were declared righteous, not made righteous, declared righteous, if the New Testament is only about declaring me righteous, and I still continue to walk in my wicked ways, what is that? If that's what it means to be a Christian, then I'll not be a Christian. If I have to walk every day under the condemnation of sin, if I still have the wicked nature in me, what is that? If there's no way to get rid of this wicked nature, oh, I'll be tempted. Okay, I got that. But not from inside. I want to be cleansed. I want to be washed. I want to be made whole. The cry of my heart is, Jesus, save me. I'm sinking. (laughs) That was a horrible lie that I was taught. That the closer you come to Jesus, the more sinful you will appear in your own eyes. No, the closer I come to Jesus, I don't see my sin anymore because it's been washed away. I've been cleansed. I've been restored. I'm a new creature in Christ. I'm not the same old, same old. I've been changed. Have you been changed? Are you new in Christ Jesus? If you have not left your sin, if you have not had the victory in Jesus Christ, you're not a Christian. I know that's going to offend many of you. But I pray that the effect it will have on you is that you get on your face before Almighty God and say, i got to keep it real with you, Jesus. Here's what's going on. And here's what I need. And I'm going to stay here, and I'm going to wait upon you, Jesus, until the blood washes me clean, until you do what you said you would do, which is to make me into a new creature. I'm not the same old, same old, same old. Now, the most recent lie that I've heard, I heard from a preacher that I dearly love. He's an old man. And I know that he's lived under the burden of this sin all of his life. And he's never understood the truth. But I love him. I pray for him. If he's teaching me the truth, then I don't want to be a Christian. To me, being a Christian means I have the victory. I'm walking clean. I'm not walking in unbelief. The great sin of the children of Israel after being delivered from Egypt through the miraculous power of the Almighty God, where they saw daily the miracles taking place on their behalf. They walked 
to the Red Sea, and they saw the Red Sea open for them. Some archaeologists have suggested that where they crossed the ocean, there was a there was a a path through the ocean at about nine hundred feet deep. The ocean at that point is several thousand feet deep. But they walked across that land bridge on dry ground. They saw the walls of water. 900 feet high. They walked through on dry ground. They got to the other side. The Egyptians were all drowned. Can you imagine 900 feet of water crashing down? Crushing destroying the whole Egyptian army. And today archaeologists have explored some of that area and they found skulls and chariot wheels with the wood rotted away but the gold remaining. The same way the elite troops of the Egyptians walked. And they crossed over. And then they didn't believe that Jesus would give them any water. And into that bitter water, a tree had been prepared. Moses threw it in the water and it became sweet. Then they thought they would starve out there. Jesus gave them the manna. They walked in unbelief. Up to the very last moment, they walked in unbelief, and finally the Lord said, Okay, that's enough. I am not going to walk in unbelief that Jesus has the power and the desire to totally set me free and cleanse me from all unrighteousness. He has given me the victory. I'm not going back. I'm not going back. I will name one man because he's now gone. Charles Stanley. I listened to him. He was a wonderful, wonderful man. He taught principles of godliness that were amazing. He had a kind heart. But unfortunately, he was raised in a, in a holiness home. And I heard him say that when he discovered he could not ever be holy enough, he turned his back on the holiness movement. And he joined the Reformed Calvinistic theology. Where you simply were taught principles for success. Principles for godliness. But never were you taught that you had the victory. And never did you have the victory. There was always more to learn. There was always more to do. Calvinism is very much a legalistic teaching. 
pleasing to us because it doesn't demand that we die and be washed in the blood. Well, let me talk about what this old man preached just this week. He made it a side note in his sermon. This old-time preacher, reformed in theology, he said, I was surprised because as a child I thought that as I grew older I would sin less. But he said, that has not proved to be the case. As I've grown older, I've discovered I sin more. That's not the testimony of a true Christian. I'll leave this man in the hands of Jesus to judge, but I can tell you now the testimony of a true Christian is I have the victory. And I'm going through without condemnation in my heart. Well, where did he go to get this information? Romans, the seventh chapter. Let me read it for you. I found that the very commandment that was intended to bring life actually brought death. For sin, seizing the opportunity afforded by the commandment, deceived me. And through the commandment put me to death. So then the law is holy, and the commandment is holy, righteous, and good. Did that which is good then become death to me? No, by no means. Nevertheless, in order that sin might be recognized as sin, it used what is good to bring about my death so that through the commandment sin might become utterly sinful. I am unspiritual, sold as a slave to sin. That's this old man's testimony as a pastor. I'm unspiritual, sold as a slave under sin. The longer I live, the more I sin. I do not understand what I do, for what I I want to do I do not do, but what I hate I do. And if I do what I do not wish to do, I agree that the law is good. And this man's preaching is that the law is good, and that holiness is necessary. As it is, I no longer, I myself, who do it, but it's sin living in me. For I know that Good itself does not dwell in me, that is, in my sinful nature. For I have the desire to do what is good, but I cannot carry it out. For I do not do the good I want to do, but the evil I do not want to do. This I keep on doing. Now, This is verse 20 of Romans 7. Now, if I do what I do not wish to do, it's no longer I who do it, but but the sin living in me that does it. So I find this law at work. 
although I want to do good, evil is right there with me. For in my inner being I delight in God's law. But I see another law at work in me, waging war against the law of my mind and making me a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. What a wretched man I am! Who will rescue me from this body that is subject to death? And then Paul answers the question. Thanks be to God, who delivers me through Jesus Christ our Lord. I want you to get this. I am delivered. I am set free. I am not to live under the law. I am not to live under the law. Yes, I preach. I preach the law to expose sin. But you'll never hear me say that you cannot gain the victory over your sin. Death is a fall from holiness. This is the sixth chapter of Romans. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. If you look carefully at Romans, the seventh chapter, you will see that it is speaking for those who are under the law. It is not those who have had the victory in Jesus Christ. Now, most Christians in America, so-called, do not have the victory in Jesus Christ. And the reason they don't have the victory is that they have never paid the price to fall on their faces before Almighty God and confess their sin and stay there until the sin is forgiven. You see, you can't have a sin forgiven and still be under its bondage. You are delivered from your sin. You are made whole. You have the victory. If you don't have the victory over your sin, you still live under its control and its power. Then you have some very serious work to do in the prayer closet. Work of confession. Work of denying sin its right to remain in your body or in your mind. If the older you become, the more you sin. You've never paid the price for righteousness. 
Now, righteousness is a gift. It falls like rain from heaven upon our mind and our heart. We come into a place where we have this intense, deep desire, a deep-seated desire to be like Jesus. We're no longer under law. We're under the Holy Spirit. And I can tell you, out of my own experience, tears will probably be required as you keep it real with you and with Jesus. This is not a game. It's for real. Washed in the blood of Jesus is for real. And if you have not been washed in the blood of Jesus, you will continue to sin. Because Jesus' blood does not just wipe away one sin. The blood of Jesus comes and washes us head to toe and cleanses us and removes from us the wickedness of our hearts. And we are given a new heart. An old heart cannot be repaired. It takes a new heart, one shaped and ordered by Jesus. by the power of the blood at the direction of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit has to come and hover over our lives like it came and hovered over the earth when the creation happened. He makes a new creature. Now, Pastor... Where does it say that in the scriptures? Well, let me read it for you. You cannot be saved in your sin. You must be saved from your sin. Adam produced sinners. Jesus produces righteous men and women. There's no righteousness in Adam and there's no sinner in Christ Jesus. So let's read the scripture that says this. Romans, the sixth chapter. What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means, absolutely not. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. In other words, we have a resurrection that we must walk into. We have a death 
and we have a resurrection. You don't have a lot of time to get this work done in your heart. You're going to have to lay aside your television and every other foolish entertainment of this world. You're going to have to give up coarse speech, joking and laughing. Yes, I mean that. You're going to have to get very serious with Jesus. You're going to have to get very serious in prayer. You're going to have to get real with Jesus and with your own heart. How real are you with Jesus? How real are you with your life? We were therefore buried with him. That's not a joke. That's real. We must be buried with Christ. Now, if we're buried with Christ, it means that we have let go of all of this life. And we have put our trust in Jesus as our pilot and trust him to carry us through. Now, part of what the Holy Spirit said to me, it's going to be all of Jesus and none of you. The work of making you holy is a work of the Holy Spirit by the blood of Jesus. Well, Pastor, is it that serious? Yes, and I've not been able to express the half of it. Charles Finney, as he was walking away from his conversion, was puzzled. Where's the concern for my soul that I've carried all these years? Where is the feeling of being guilty? Have I grieved the Holy Spirit from me because he's no longer talking to me? Oh, no. He'd not grieved the Holy Spirit. He had joined and become one with Jesus. And in Jesus there is no condemnation. There is just unity in the Spirit. Let me read further. For if you have been united with him in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in resurrection. For we know that our old self was crucified with him, so that the body ruled by sin might be done away with. Oh, wait a minute, wait a minute. What's he talking about? the body ruled by sin might be done away with. That's how the NIV puts it. But the Greek is much more plain. The Greek says the body of sin has been destroyed. 
immobilized, destroyed, taken out of you. That we should no longer be slaves to sin, no longer slaves to that old man. We walk now in freedom from that old man of sin that we've carried and drug along with us for all of these years. He is cut off from us. Because anyone who has died has been set free from sin. Now, if we died with Christ, we believe that we will also live with him. We will live with Jesus. See, the problem is, so many of you are trying to live your life as a Christian, and you haven't been crucified with Christ. You've never given up your life to Jesus. You've believed some of the lies I've talked about today, perhaps. Oh, my brother, my sister, examine your life carefully with a fine-tooth comb and find the ticks of the lies that the church has taught you. Search the scriptures. Read Romans, the sixth chapter. Romans, the eighth chapter. Read carefully. Cry out to the Lord about this. Let him wash you and make you whole. Let him restore you and fill you with his grace and his mercy and his pardon. I know many started listening to this broadcast and then disappeared. Many will not listen to this because you don't want to keep it real with Jesus. You want to keep your life and have a semblance of Jesus but have no power. Why does the church today have no power? Because we walk in sin. We haven't gone deep enough with Jesus. If you make a decision that you're going to keep it real with Jesus, then it will affect the way you spend your time, your money. It will affect every part of your life. When John the Baptist spoke, he said to the soldiers, don't take more money than you're supposed to. Give somebody your coat to wear. If they need that, give them whatever they need. Jesus was according to John the Baptist, very, very practical. It was a way he lived without sin. There's no reason for you to live in sin today. You're not bound in sin if you have been crucified with Christ. But if you've not been crucified with Christ, you're going to struggle, you're going to be up and down. I mean, a man this last week said to me, I still have a chance. 
Does God still love me? What do I have to do to walk with Jesus? Give up your life? (laughs) Give up your friends? Give up your lifestyle? And search after Jesus in the scriptures and live according to what you find in the word of God. Great place to begin is what we call the the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew 5. That's a great place to begin. Hearing what Jesus dictates for the New Testament believers, the way he expects them to walk. One godly man, Reese Howells. His account is found in the book Reese Howells, The Intercessor. He would kneel at his bed and he would read aloud every night the Sermon on the Mount because he wanted it to soak into his heart. He knew the Sermon on the Mount were the rules for the New Testament church. Exodus 20 is the law, the old covenant. But for Christians, it's the Sermon on the Mount. And you'll find that Every principle enunciated in the Exodus 20 law is now enunciated in the Sermon on the Mount, except it's expanded, it's made larger, it's made more practical. Are you at peace with Jesus today? Are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you keeping it real with Jesus and with yourself? Or do you want to go make money? Is money the lust of your heart? I know many men, men I love, don't walk with me because the lust of their heart is money. How's your heart with Jesus? Is your lust for a certain kind of clothing, of lifestyle, of vacation? Or do you truly keep it real between you and Jesus? And when he says go, you go. And when he says come, you come. And you walk with no condemnation. You walk clean by the blood of the Lamb. And your heart is joyful and abundantly clean before God. Let's pray. 
You've been listening to Pilgrim's Progress. I'm Pastor Ray from the National Prayer Chapel. Before we pray, let me give you an address. Post Office Box 2346, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22195. Or if you'd like to come on Sunday morning, you're welcome to join us for an intense time of prayer and worship. The church is a house church right now. The address is Pastor Ray Greenley, 5009 Softwood, one word, Softwood Lane, Woodbridge, Virginia, 22192. That's Pastor Ray Greenley, 5009 Softwood Lane, Woodbridge, Virginia. 22192. You're welcome to come and worship with us. In fact, I invite you to come. Now, let's pray. Many who are listening today, Lord, are still under condemnation. They've not yet gained the victory. They don't yet have a deep-seated desire for holiness and righteousness. They think that's legalism. I ask, Lord, that you would unveil for them the truth of your word. Romans 6 and 8. To know for a certainty that your word breaks every lie and sets the captive free. Lord, I pray that your people, as they listen to this, will rejoice with the good news that they don't have to live under condemnation any longer, that they are loved by you, and they're invited into this radical walk of total dependence upon you, Jesus, that you're not the co-pilot, you're the pilot of their life. Lord, I pray that you will come in your love and your mercy and your kindness. I plead the case of every person who has had the courage to listen to this broadcast. I pray, Lord, that you will quicken them in the Spirit, that you will remove from their heart every lie they've been taught, that they would find the truth that in you the power of sin is broken, destroyed, removed. Lord, thank you. Lift us up today, Jesus. Fill our hearts with hope and with joy. Thank you. And Lord, I lift before you today every person who is sick, who's broken, who's discouraged, who needs your healing touch right now. I pray for that touch now as I pray in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, I thank you for those who are praying for me. I stand by faith in your word that your promises are yes and amen. I trust you, Jesus. I will not walk in unbelief. No matter how painful, I will not walk in unbelief. I trust you, Jesus. And I praise you today for your kindness to me and your kindness to each person who's listening to this broadcast. Thank you, Jesus. I pray in your holy name. Amen. I hope this has been helpful to you today. It may be startling to you, but go to the scriptures and read and see for yourself. Have I spoken honestly the word of God? Is what I have said to you true? If it is, then get real with Jesus and get real with yourself. God bless you. I'll talk to you soon.